So I've held many jobs in my life. Um, I don't know that I can say I was a jack-of-all-trades um, because I'm not sure I ever reached that level. Uh, maybe it was a two of clubs or three of you know, spades or something uh, of all trades. But um, I've, I've had many jobs. Uh, one constant was I always kind of worked for my parents because, you know, even though they could fire me, they, couldn't, they wouldn't disown me or something. I don't know. Um, but for eight years, I drove a school bus. And I drove a daily route, and this was a this was a small little school up in North Texas, and so I drove everybody from kindergarten all the way up to they got their license, or unless they were you know punished by not being allowed to drive. And so for eight years, I drove this bus, and I drove trips almost every weekend, trips to Amarillo from the Wichita Falls area, which were like four-hour drive. Um, trips uh, down to San Antonio, which took about six or seven hours. Um, a trip from Wichita Falls to Nacogdoches, which we left at midnight and got there at 7 a.m. the next morning. Uh, and then there was the time I drove from Wichita Falls to El Paso in a 13-passenger bus uh, for, for a speech competition. So for eight years, I, I traveled all over the state of Texas in, in a school bus, and drove, drove thousands of miles. And it got to the point where I stopped referring to myself as a bus driver and I became a transportation specialist. <laughs> now this comes in handy when you, you leave that job and you, you decide to go to, to preaching school and you, and you move to Sunset. It comes in handy in the summer in between your first and second years when you have to take a foreign mission trip. And our foreign mission trip was to the Seattle, Washington area. Because honestly, how much more foreign can you get for, you know, just a little country boy from Wichita Falls than Seattle, Washington? But we loaded up the kids. We loaded up Dalton. He was, uh, he just finished his freshman year. And so we loaded him up in the back seat of our grand caravan. And we bought a power converter to, to, so he could plug in his TV VCR combo and his PlayStation. And so he resided in the back seat and played PlayStation and watched videos. And then in the center seat, we had a DVD player. And our daughter Becca was able to watch movies. And I cannot tell you how many times I heard the movie Hoodwinked. Don wouldn't let me watch because I'd get all distracted and start swerving. And, um, but I would drive my family a little crazy. That was a scoff, and scoffing is not allowed. Okay, I would drive my family a lot crazy because as a transportation specialist, there were certain things that needed to happen before we drive somewhere, right? And so, I mean, clockwork, get it packed, get it packed. Nope, nope, your bag's too thick. Trim it down, trim it down, and then, you know, putting it all, playing the Tetris game, getting all the luggage put together and everything else. And then, and then we got in the car and we drove. And we had point A and we had point B. And we only stopped every two hours, so you need to make sure and monitor your fluid intake. Because two hours is a set time. It, it may be three, but we're not stopping all the time. We don't have time to stop and see sights. Take a picture of the sign if you want to make it look like you've been there. That's fine. 
and, and stops are regulated. Come on, let's get it going. If you're not back by the time I get filled up with gas, dad's face is going to turn red and I'm going to start yelling and going to start complaining. And so while, while I enjoyed trips, I created anxiety for my family. They didn't enjoy it. Once we were there, they were fine. But it, it was the getting there to them that really kind of rubbed them the wrong way. And in our text this morning, we see the Israelites are a little anxious. The last three months, they've been walking around in the, in the desert, having to, find, having to find water, but then the water's bad, so God has to cleanse the water. And, and then, you know, they're, they're, they're whining and griping and complaining because they don't have enough to eat. And they're, 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 they're griping and complaining that, you know, oh, weren't there cemeteries in Egypt we could have been buried in? We're going to die in the sand. And but maybe I need to learn to cut them a break like I never did my family when we traveled. Because they have had their world turned upside down and maybe inside out. If you think about the way that they had spent the last few generations in Egypt, it had been under a, a constantly increasing workload. A never-ending work week where it was just production, 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 production. Even the way they got to the land of Egypt was anxiety producing because they had to come because of a famine. And now in this culture, in this Egypt that they live in, this culture that has been built on storing up and making sure they had enough storehouses so that they don't run out of things, Pharaoh has been increasingly pushing his thumb down. He's been increasing their workload even while taking away the things that they need to make the bricks. And all of that's turned upside down when God hears their cry and sends Moses in to fight for them and rescue them. But then they have to endure the plagues and the uncertainty of what's going on in the nation of Egypt and what, what is this rescue going to look like until the last plague happens and Moses and Aaron follow the cloud by day and the fire by night and lead them out into the wilderness. Pharaoh even changes his mind about that and as they stand on the shores of the Red Sea, the armies come barreling down on them. And through the night, God sends a wind that blows and divides the water and dries the land and offers them safe passage. But then they've got to travel. These people who have been tied to one place, one house for the last 400 plus years now are wandering out in the wilderness and this is the biggest case ever of are we there yet? Because they don't know where you're going and, and remember, the first time that you ever drive somewhere, it takes forever. So these people are, are following Moses following this, this cloud by day and this fire by night and they're walking and they're walking and they're walking and finally in the third month they come to the base of this mountain and Moses tells them 
You need to consecrate yourself. The Lord's going to come down. He's going to consume this mountain. And there they are. They didn't have any idea what that meant. But now, as they stand at the base of this mountain, as they are camped, as they begin to come out of their tents in the morning, fire and smoke have eclipsed the top of the mountain. And it's trembling. And a sound like a trumpet is growing louder louder and louder and Moses the guy that's leading them the guy that's supposed to be the the the, the prophet that that speaks for God he's gone up in that mess and they are frightened and they are anxious And they're not so sure that they want to be rescued anymore. Because they see the power of this God who has brought them out of the land of Egypt, who has rescued them from slavery, and who now demands their strict loyalty to where they can't have any other God. They can't make an idol in the form of this God. And they've got to be careful not to misuse his name. And sometimes, you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're dealing with anxiety, sometimes even the old boss can look like the new boss. The old ruler can, can sound a lot like the new ruler because you learn to start listening to things with a suspicious question of what does he mean by that? Because he's demanding this loyalty, he's demanding this affection, he's demanding that, that, we, that we think of no one else, he's demanding that we don't tie him, make promises of him to anything else, and then we know it's coming, we know the discussion about work, and we know the discussion about productivity, and we know the discussion about what it is that we're supposed to do is coming. Because he's told them, you're going to be a nation of priests. You're going to represent me to everybody else. And that's when they hear these words. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall, do, you shall not do any work. Neither you nor your son, nor daughter, nor your manservant, or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He just told them to give it a rest. This powerful God that has, that has moved heaven and earth, it seems like, to rescue them and bring them to this moment is telling them, for you to be a people, you need to remember me. You need to remember me, who it was who brought you out of the land of slavery. You need to worship me only. Don't make any other idols to anything else. And don't misuse my name. And you know what? Give it a rest. Just stop. Just stop and sit down. They've already been practicing this since the whole manna situation. 
right? Earlier in Exodus, when they're griping about not having anything to eat, God's like, fine, here, pull donuts. And every morning you come out and you take just enough for that one day, except for the sixth day. Then take a double helping and it'll be good. They've been practicing this Sabbath. They've been practicing this restfulness. They've been practicing this stopping and not overworking. And now they get the command. But you know it's got to be it's got to be completely completely reality shaping for them. It, 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 it's, a, it's a completely different paradigm. They've been working nine to 10 day work weeks. They've been having straw taken away, but still having to, to make the same amount of bricks, still having to do the same amount of work. They had to work when they were sick. They had to work when they were tired. They had to work when they were hurt. Work, 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 work. Demand, 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 demand. Because Pharaoh was an anxious ruler, not wanting anything to run out. And plus, if they're tired, they don't, have any ten, they don't have any chance to revolt. But now, at the foot of this mountain, in the power of Almighty God, what he tells them is, is if you are a nation of priests that represents me to the world around you, you will stop and sit down. You will take a break. You will take a whole day off from producing anything. And not only that, you can't make your kids work. And not only that, you can't make your servants work. And not only that, you can't make your slaves work. Matter of fact, if there are strangers among you, you give them the day off too. This God who knows their every need is offering them rest. He's offering them time to sit and reflect. Time to sit and wonder. Time to sit and worship. To think about that long journey that they just made. To think about the provision that God has given them to get to this moment. To dream about what it might be like in the future. And church, I think we find ourselves in a very similar culture to what Egypt was. Top 40 song in the 80s by the country supergroup Alabama. I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. My dad grew up in California in the 50s and after serving in the Korean War, settled down in Wichita Falls, Texas. And people used to ask him, why don't you go back to California? He goes, because you never get to be anywhere. It's always about where you're going next. And then our first ministry job was in San Jose, California in 2007, the height of the rebuild of Silicon Valley. 
we were 30 miles from San Francisco, and it could take as much as four hours to drive there. I can remember sitting with my friend Ken talking about busyness. And he said, that's just the way it is. We get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. We get everybody ready. We rush out of the house. We drop the kids off at daycare. They'll be taken to school later, and one of us goes to work, and the other one goes, goes their way to work. And then after work each day, one of us goes and picks up the child. One of us goes and picks up something to eat. Then we meet up at whatever practice or recital that we're doing that day. Have that, eat some dinner, get home, shower, go to bed, and get up to do it all again the next day. We live in a culture where our kids have schedules on computers because they're as busy as we were. Our families are so busy that we catch each other driving by with high fives, how you doing, and Grubhub. And you can see it. I know we can watch the news and hear that this is wrong. I know that we can read the paper and find out that this is wrong. You got everybody that's got 10 minutes of TV time telling you what's wrong with society. You know what's wrong, what's wrong with society? We're exhausted. We're overwhelmed. We're overproducing. And instead of stopping and take a break, we just bite down on our mouthpiece, duck our head, and charge ahead. Because we're made to feel guilty if we stop and sit. We're made to feel guilty if we're not producing something. We're made to feel ashamed if we take a vacation. But church, I'm here to proclaim to you this morning that the God that we serve tells us that we can rest. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, we can just, we can just pull up and have a seat and rest. You don't have to do something every living day. You don't have to make something every single hour. It's fine for you to just sit and do nothing. It's fine for you to just sit and remember. It's fine for you to just sit and be. In that moment, in that place, with the people around you. I remember the last, one of the last times I got to spend with my papa. We were at his house in Benbrook, and we were playing dominoes. And I was on my papa's team. We were playing 42. I was on my papa's team, and my dad and I think my mama were on the other team. And it was a little frustrating playing dominoes with my dad and my papa because after one round, they could tell you what you had in your hand. But that night was so much fun. And what I'd give to have that moment again. But it was available because I sat and lived it. 
We always got to take pictures of it and document it and make it Facebook official, right? No? It's okay to go on vacation and not bring a single picture back. To just have the memories of the time that you spent with your loved ones. See, we are the modern day priests of God. We are the ones who people are supposed to look at and see Jesus reflected into the world. And if we're running around like Chicken Little, screaming the sky is falling, we better be right. Because there have been plenty of false prophets who have talked about the sky falling over the course of time. And there are plenty of folks who will get on TV and who will get on your radios and tell you, you've got to be concerned about this. You've got to do something about this. No. Because the God I serve has freed me from that. You know what God's people are? God's people are the ones who are able to rest in his presence and create a culture of neighborliness. Because all of the commands that follow this one are about how to live with one another. You don't need to kill anybody else because you've got enough rest. You don't need to steal from your neighbor over there because you've got enough rest. You don't need a Snickers. You just need a break. So take it. You can have the Snickers while you're doing it. But but honestly, and compassionately, we need to be the people who are not afraid to rest. And we need to be the people who the greatest gift that we can give those around us is rest. Now, I don't know that any of you have slaves or employees, but I bet each and every one of you has a family member that could use a little rest. So in the name of the Lord, offer it to them. And join them. And sit with them. And make a memory that you can look back on later. And smile. Even if it's a teary smile. But simply give it a rest. Will you pray with me? Papa, would you just simply give us the courage to stop? Would you simply give us the strength to sit? And today, when we pray for patience, we don't pray for patience to not snap at our families, to not honk at the other drivers. We just simply pray for the patience to wait a full day to keep the Sabbath holy. In Jesus' name, amen.